0: us all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you don't mind, I'd like to just take a moment to pray over the word tonight because we want to make sure we get everything God wants us to get. So that means you have to hear everything and I have to say everything. Amen. Amen. So let's just be in agreement. Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight we believe for open windows of heaven, windows of revelation and insight windows of encounters with God in this house. I ask, Father, that you plant the words in my heart to come out my mouth, that we hear it with our ears and it sinks into our heart that we are transformed and changed. Father, help us to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. Help us to be enlightened with those things that we are in need of. Help us to understand you more fully. To know and believe the love that you have for us. Help us to become stronger in the church today. Help us to become mightier. Help us to become bolder. And I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against this night will prosper. I thank you, Father, we are guarded from the evil one. And I thank you and I praise you, Father. Tonight, the life and the light of God abounds in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 3. Is it dark out there? Did they forget to turn the lights up? Okay, I'm just checking. Maybe you thought, you know, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. <laughs> I thought maybe I was short on something. I, actually, what I didn't know is that that's the way it usually is. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3. Um, verse nineteen, where we've been going, because we've been talking about since the beginning of the year, restoration. Yeah. Restoration. God wants to restore all things. Amen. In verse nineteen, it says, "Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive, Until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And last week, we sketched out this timeline. We sketched out the timeline that the prophets of old prophesied of a time of restoration of all things. On one side of the timeline, and on the other side of the timeline, we see the restoration of all things. The beginning side of the timeline was when the world began. Since the world began, they have been confessing that there is a restoration of all things, meaning the way God intended all things to operate is what he wants to have happen. And just because it's not done yet doesn't mean we're not on our way to that. So we have here the world begins and the prophetic word of there's a restoration of all things. On the other side, we have the restoration of all things and the return of the Lord. So we have these two end caps of this timeline, and the middle piece between here is the times of refreshing, the times of repentance, the time of forgiveness of sins. But um, I want to tonight especially look at this middle piece as times of repentance. And many times when we think of repentance, we think of this factor of, oh, I've got to bow and all these kind of things. And we start thinking penance instead of repentance. Repentance is a change of heart and mind. That's what repentance is, is a change of heart and mind. Penance is trying to pay for what you've done. This is not a time of penance. This is a time of repentance. And so what we must understand is from the time the world began until the restoration of all things, there's this time of repentance or this time of consistent change. Consistent change. Meaning you're going to go along in life and if you want to get to the restoration of all things, you're going to have to change something. You're going to have to change this way of thinking. You're going to have to alter this course. You're going to have to change this and you're going to have to change that. Because if we want to be staying the same, we're not going to get to the restoration of all things. Unless you're in the restoration of all things that you could ever desire right now. But I doubt that because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Amen? All right? All right. So this timeline of changing, we have some changing to be done in our life. We have some altering that needs to be done. We have some modification that needs to be done to our walk with God. Now, how many of you know that you have to change? That's right. We have to make some amendments, if you would. You know, um, we have to make some changes in our life. We have to take some changes in our Attitudes. We have to make some changes in our mentalities and our thought processes. But the beautiful thing of that is this time of changing is accompanied by time of refreshing. So you'll never get overwhelmed with how much I have to change. Because with every deviation or change you make, there's a refreshment to come. Amen? All right. So we, we discussed that. And then um, we said this, that the quality of our life is entirely dependent on two things. The quality of our life depends entirely. Say entirely. entirely. When it's entirely means there's nothing left out. It's on these two key factors. The quality of our life depends on how we submit to God and how we resist the enemy. Okay? So if there's something that needs restored in your life, you need to make a change in how you submit to God or how you resist the enemy or possibly both. All right? So every everything that's needing restored in your life can be touched by one of those two keys or possibly both. All right, so last week, we took a length of time to talk about submission to God, and we talked about how um, that, um, in fact, we can go to Romans 6.16. Let's just go there for a moment. Can you flip that one over on the board for us? Romans 6.16 says, do you not know that whom to you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So we find out here that whoever you submit to, you become a servant of. Whoever you submit to, you become a servant of. And the key is to become a servant of God. That's not a hard question, right? The key is to become a servant of God. And so we want to present ourselves as submitted to God so that we are his servants. Now, I notice this. Sometimes when we say we have to submit to God, the first thing our mind goes to is what we have to do. What we have to do. That means we have to do this, and we have to do this, and we have to do this. It's not about that. It's submission to the will of God. It just means I'm yielding my will to the will of God. Now, the reason sometimes it gets difficult is because we've missed out on what really is the will of God. Because, and we discussed this last week, we have a tendency to think that we're appeasing an angry God instead of delighting a heavenly Father. We're not trying to appease an angry God. Your submission is not about qualifying you for God's approval or love. Your submission to God's will is this. The end you intended for mankind, I surrender to that intention. I surrender to that plan that you have for humanity. And and then it takes away from us the demand of right and wrong and do this, don't do this. And all these requirements... That are honest. This, that is not speaking the submission to the will of God. Is it warm in here? I have a lot of people shaking their heads yes and fanning themselves. So, all right. It's warm to me and I would hate to fall asleep on my own message. <laughs> Hallelujah. So those of you that aren't warm will hand out jackets. And those of you that are warm will help. All right. Praise the Lord. So the key is we have to learn how to submit to his goodness without earning it. Because if we can earn it, we justify ourselves. But if we can't earn it, we don't feel like we deserve it. You understand what I'm saying? We have to submit and surrender to the will of God and his goodness without looking for a way to deserve it in ourself. This is about receiving what he has done, not getting what we deserve. Amen? All right. So we looked last week extensively in Matthew 8, and we're not going to go there again because we'll get hung there, about the centurion who came to Jesus to have his servant healed. And he made the comment, just speak the word only, for I am a man under authority, and I have soldiers under me, and when I say to this one, go, he goes. And so we look particularly at the fact that because he was surrendered, he had authority. And we have to understand the reason, the reason for our submission to God, it gives our Resistance to the enemy, more impotence, more power. It's more potent, okay? Because now think of this for a moment. If you are a person not submitted to God and God turned up the power of God in your life, you would do more damage than help. You would do more destruction than blessing. So what God is asking is, if you will submit to me, as you submit to me, you will be given more authority in me. And then you can use that authority in me and resist the enemy. So your level of resistance to the enemy is completely, um, uh, I don't know the right word, um, completely dependent and equal to the submission you have to God. Because what happens is when you're submitted to God, it's no longer your authority, but it's the authority of the one you're submitted to that's working through you. So the key is submitting to God so the authority of God works through me. Okay? Are we on the same page? So the level of your submission to God determines the level of your authority in God. And so we have to keep in our mind, as we're going through this message tonight, the submission to God never, ever becomes a less than factor. It never becomes um, unnecessary. All right? It always is the master key to your whole life okay the master key is how you submit to God and like I said you have to work on your mentality to get out of it about the requirements that I have to do the things I have to do you know and it's amazing isn't it amazing when you set your heart to submit to God if you'll set your life to submit to God you'll maintain a level of joy in him because obligation of the flesh will fall away. I'm just submitted to God. I'm just submitted to God. In fact, um, I ran across this note in my, in my notebook today when I was preparing, and the Spirit of the Lord gave me this some time ago. He said, remember this, you work for me. You work for God. You work for God. Amen. So it's just about submission to his goodness, submission to his kindness, submission to his love, all right? So let's go over to James chapter 4. Help us, Jesus. James chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 7. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So your authority to resist the enemy dependent on your level of submission to God but then it says right here if you will resist the devil he will flee He will flee He will flee He will flee He, will flee. he has no right to stay If you will submit to God and you will resist the devil he will flee There's no qualifying of that. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. It's a mandate. He has to flee. Because you have more authority than him because you are submitted to God. So when you resist the enemy, the authority of God is coming through you because you are submitted to God. And so... The enemy doesn't like to take on God anymore because it's already a sealed, done thing. But what he wants to do is take you on to see if the power of God operates enough through you to make him stop. Hallelujah. All right, so what does it mean to resist? If we're going to resist the enemy... To resist means to stand against, to act in opposition, to stand unmoved, and interrupting the progress of, to counteract, to defeat or frustrate, to baffle or disappoint. That's all those fancy words. Now, this is my interpretation. (laughs) To not give in to and to not yield to. When you're resisting the enemy, means you're not giving in to him, you're not yielding to him, you're not lending yourself to him, you're not having a place for him, you're not giving him that, alright? Resisting the enemy. And you think about it, it takes submission and it takes resistance. There's people that try to resist the devil all day. Resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil. But because there's no submission to God, he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. Let me me give you this little plug. The enemy will not yield to you if you're yielding to him. The enemy does not have to yield to you if you're yielding to the enemy. He doesn't have to. That doesn't make any sense. Because you've already made him the controller and the master. So why would he yield to you? Hmm. Hallelujah. So, we have to we have to be unyielding. Unyielding to the enemy. All right? So, let's go. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. And this is Paul before King Agrippa. And Paul is recounting his experience on the road to Damascus. All right? And he's and this right here is what Jesus told Paul he was going to do. He said, in fact, it even says that um, I'm appearing to you for this purpose. So right here became Paul's purpose. And so in this scripture, it gives Paul the purpose. Okay, you want to go back to, uh, which one did I give you? Can you go to 16? Can we start at 16? 16. But rise and stand on your feet. This is Jesus speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus. Stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To open their eyes. This is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That sums up ministry right there. That sums up ministry right there. To open up eyes so that they'll turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. And so what we have to understand is we have to come to an awareness and awakeness that we are submitting to God and resisting the enemy because that's what the gospel's for. That's what the gospel's for, is to get us out of dominance of the enemy and under the control and the dominance of our Heavenly Father. Amen? All right, so... All right, let's see here. Okay, I'm just going to dive into this. I'm trying to make it politically correct, and it's not working for me, okay? Praise the Lord. All right, so there's three particular areas of your life that you have to resist the enemy. I'm sure there's more. God gave me three today. I'm not saying I've got the exclusive. But number one, he said you have to learn how to resist the enemy over your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, please. All right. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The word keep means to guard, protect, and set a watch. Okay? Then let's go on to uh, Mark chapter 7. Did I give you that one? Mark 7 verse 14. All right. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing... That enters a man from outside which can defile him. There is nothing on the outside of you that can wreck your life. There is nothing on the outside of you that can pollute, darken, or mess up your life. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that ruin your life, that pollute your life, that make your life unclean. Continue, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I love that when he throws that in there. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart but his stomach, and is eliminating, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So all of those things come out of the heart of man. That's why he tells us back in Proverbs 4, guard your heart. Because whatever comes into your heart is going to come out of your heart and that's what's gonna determine your course of life. So we have to guard our heart. We have to set a protection over our heart Because in our heart is who we are. In our heart is who we are. So you, as you're guarding your heart, what you're doing is protecting who you are in God. Who you are in God. So when the enemy comes, when the enemy comes and says, you are not accepted, do you submit or resist that? When the enemy comes and says, you're guilty, do you submit or resist that? Yes. When the enemy comes and said, you're worthless, do you submit or resist that? Yes. When the enemy comes and says, you're the most important person on the earth, do you submit or resist? Yes. See, sometimes what happens is this, church. Church. Because we are so hungry for acceptance, the enemy can't get us making us feel worthless, but he can get us by making us feel too important. Because too importance will lead to selfishness. Mm -hmm. So when the enemy says, this is all about you and how you feel, do you hear what I'm saying? See, we got to guard our heart We got to guard our heart from worthlessness. We got to guard our heart from pride. We got to guard our heart from being insignificant, but we got to guard our heart of being too important. We got to guard it both sides because it's the same enemy looking for an opportunity into a heart to defile a life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when the temptation to complain is there, You complain, resist, resist. See, we have to get it in our head. What are we going to resist and what are we going to submit to? Because it's within. How does something get in our heart? How does something get in your heart? You heard the news tonight. Did that all get in your heart? Isn't it funny that the news commentator one time can tell, say something about someone you cherish and you can call it a lie. But if they say something about someone you don't like, it's the truth. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? We have to learn how to guard our heart, protect our heart. And this is the key. Whatever you will meditate on becomes a part of you. Whatever you will meditate on becomes a part of you. So you can't give second thought to the enemy's lies. You can't give second thought to what he's saying. Guilt. Resist or submit? Resist. Come on, see? We got to resist it. We got to get active. We're guarding our heart that has the potential of defiling our whole life and we're trying to get restoration and defilement will stop me on this timeline or make me go the wrong way. We've got to get active, energetic, and efficient at guarding our heart. Your husband doesn't love you. Resist or submit. Your children are all going to end up in prison. Resist or submit. See, we've got to get quick on this. You're going to go down in that airplane. Resist or submit. You're going to enjoy your family reunion. Resist or submit. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to enjoy the church barbecue. Resist or submit. (laughs) (laughs) See, but we have to get this fixed. We have to get this fixed. We know what to resist and we know what to submit. We have to get this fixed because we are guarding our heart where everything we are comes out of. That girl, she's married but she's really cute. Resist or submit? Resist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you busted (laughs) (laughs) we have to know what to resist and what to submit to what do we resist and what do we submit to and we have to get active about it we can't see what happens is the enemy throws a thought and we want to reason it out and then we want to do the pros and the cons and then the reasoning creates an atmosphere of confusion in our mind and then we live diverted lives from the best that God has planned for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So we have to guard our heart on who we are. We have to maintain it. We have to watch over our heart. We can't allow thoughts. How about this one? You're never going to make it. Resist. This one, it's going to get worse from here. Resist. Your best days are ahead. See, it's just as important. In fact, what is more important, what you submit to than what you resist. What you submit to than what you resist. I remember hearing a story years ago, a football story um, by um, Tom Osborne said this. And he said... um, when he took over the football program at Nebraska, they had trouble fumbling. They were fumbling the ball. They were fumbling the ball. They were fumbling the ball. And he said he finally learned, I couldn't tell them anymore, don't fumble. Don't fumble. Don't fumble. Because every time I said to them, don't fumble, the first thing they thought of was fumble. I cannot fumble. I cannot <laughs> fumble. I'm not going to fumble. I'm not going to fumble. But the truth of it is, He had to change that, he said, because I put fumbling in every player's head. And he said, so what I had to do is I had to start saying to them, hold on to the ball. Hold the ball. Hold the ball. Hold the ball. And so all they thought about was holding the ball. Okay? See, submission to the good in itself is resistance of the evil. Amen? Amen. So when it comes to your heart, you have to submit what is good and what's right because that in itself will help eliminate the evil. Hallelujah. All right, because we can't allow the enemy to tell him where we are or who we are. What you have to do is refuse him admission to your heart. He has no right to your heart. The enemy has no right to your heart. He has no right to tell you who you are. He doesn't know who you are. That's why he's trying to tell you who you are. And once you tell him who you are, he must flee from you. Amen? Amen? All right. So you have to protect your heart. You have to guard your heart. You have to resist the enemy in your heart. Now let's go over to Colossians 1, verse number 13. It says, Jesus, this is referring to Jesus, has delivered us. From the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So it says that Jesus took us out from under the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us, or a better word for that is relocated you or moved you. So you are no longer under the power of darkness but you've been moved into the kingdom of the son of his love. You're not under the kingdom of darkness. It's as if this was darkness right here, and this is light right here. Jesus came and said, you don't belong here any longer, and he grabbed a hold of you and relocated you over here. Now, this word power here, the power of darkness is the word exousia. And a great way to understand what the word exousia is, it means it has right or jurisdiction. Okay, it has jurisdiction. You know, and jurisdiction is meaning there's an authority and you're it. All right, you're the authority. For instance, in my house, um, Jerry has jurisdiction on certain things. Now, if you came into my house, you wouldn't have that jurisdiction unless the authority gave it to you, right? He has the right. If Rick came in there, Rick would have no right to the things in our household unless Jerry yielded them to Rick. But he's the authority, okay? It's the same way with us. We have been taken out from under the jurisdiction of the enemy, he doesn't have any right to anything in our life. We've been relocated into a completely different kingdom where he has no authority. We've been moved completely out of this kingdom. There is nothing, nothing in this kingdom that belongs to a child of God. There, and over here in this kingdom, he has absolutely no right, no command, and no requirement that's legitimate on you. All right? Unless you in this kingdom say, I'll let you have jurisdiction in my life. I'll let you have. And the only way he can get that jurisdiction is because you're not resisting him. You have to resist him to keep him out. Go to John chapter 14, I believe it is. John chapter 14, there you go. Uh, 30, just verse 30. And Jesus says this, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Jesus said this, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me." me. Jesus said this, the devil's coming, and he has no jurisdiction over any part of my life. He has no right. Now, look at Ephesians 4, 27. Go there. And it tells us as the church, don't give the place any place to the devil. Okay? So just as Jesus could say, the devil has nothing in me, he's asking us as the church to get to the place where the devil has nothing on us. He has nothing on us. This word, nor give place, means to not give him an opportunity. Now, why did the enemy have no place in Jesus? Because of his submission to God. Because of his submission to God. Go back to that John 14, 30. Can you go to the next verse? It may take. But that the world may know that I love the Father... And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. That was the key. The key why the devil had nothing on him was because Jesus was totally submitted to God. And that total submission to the Father proved that there was resistance to the enemy because the enemy couldn't even find, he couldn't find a way to even get a hold of Jesus. He could find nothing to grab a hold of him and said, I have a right to this in your life. There was nothing in Jesus that gave the enemy a right. That's why Jesus had to lay his life down. And the Father is asking us, church, get to the place where the enemy has nothing that he can get a hold of you with. Nothing that he can get a hold of you with because your life is so submitted to me, the enemy can't find a place in any of your affairs. Amen. Yeah. Yes. None of your affairs, because your submission to God speaks a life that resists the enemy. Amen? He wants us to get to that place. He wants us to get to that place. We're talking about the restoration of all things. The enemy... Can't have a place. Can you imagine what your life would look like if the enemy never had a place? Amen. But that's the restoration of all things. That's the end intended by the Lord. That's the place we're walking toward. Amen? All right? So we have to understand that we are not living under the rulership of the enemy. We're under the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, what the enemy does is he sits over here in darkness and says, Hey, come here. Let me show you something. Hey, come here. Just once. It's not going to hurt just once. You know God will forgive you. And he'll seduce you out from under the kingdom of the son of his love back into the place where he has jurisdiction in your life. How many of you know the enemy tells you it's just once and it's not going to be? He tells you it's not going to matter. It matters big. There is no truth in him. Amen. There is no truth in him. So he's looking for ways to entice you and seduce you out of the kingdom of the son of his love. We're submitted to God. This This kingdom over here operates according to the will of the master where it's all goodness. It's the life of God. It's the light of God. It's everything your heart could ever desire. It's everything that you could ever want and dream. And yet the enemy tries to seduce people away from the church, away from that kingdom, promising that this life over here is better and everybody that gets here finds out it's wrong. If you tell me your life is better without God or church, I'm sorry you'll have to be called a liar. Life is not better without God. It is never better without God. The enemy wants us to think that. But we have to understand, when he's on his seductive path toward us, how many of you know that it's best to get a hold of it with first thought than wait until it grows a while? How many of you ever had a garden? A weed this big is much easier to contend with than one that's this big. So the first thought. The first thought, the first thought, have you ever noticed when you're, when you're walking, trying to be submitted to God, it seems like sometimes the enemy is just resisting you with everything he's got, trying to keep you back, to keep you back. How many of you ever noticed that to get up at five o'clock in the morning is nothing to go hunting, but that alarm goes off at five o'clock to go to church. It's a whole different party. Do you understand what I mean? That alarm goes off to get to church early, so you get here for prayer on Sunday morning. It's like, oh, I don't have to. Do you understand what I mean? That's what it's talking about. See, the enemy is resisting you, and you're supposed to resist him back to keep you out of a level of fervency and passion for the master because the more fervent you are for God, the more submitted you live toward God. And so what he does is he tries to keep you where your passion level goes up and down and up and down. Your fervency goes up and down and up and down. Your self-disappointment goes up and down and up and down because he knows if he can keep that happening in your life, your submission level to God will go up and down and up and down, and he'll find a way to get a hold of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So when the enemy... Is tempting you. you resist or submit what about this when the enemy you're having a spat at home and the enemy and and all of a sudden it comes to you well I should just say this one more thing resist or submit see we got to get good at this though guys we got to get good at this Uh. Uh-uh. There's a lot of things we're really not sure of, though, because our level of submission to God in particular places always tells on us. It tells on us. Because, because if our marriage isn't submitted to God and we believe that God is working it out, then what happens is we take it into our own hand. And when a thought comes into us to say something, then we think, well, probably it's what needs to be said. But what happened is we forgot to submit it to God, peace first. See, the submitted to God, peace first will help you determine whether it's me or if it's God. All right? See, we got to get proficient at this. And the way we're going to get proficient is our level of submission to God. That He is the one that's going to give me thoughts. He is the one that's going to plant stuff in my heart. He is the one that I'm yielded to. He is the one... I'm servant to. There's been a lot of things I did in my life, it wasn't God. Am I the only one? I, there's a lot of things that, and I have to back up and say, yeah, I wasn't really submitted to God there, but boy, I sure wanted to make that known. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But God really wants us just submitted to Him because He wants the restoration of all things in our life. He wants the restoration of all things in our life, all right? How about gossip, fault-finding, accusation, judgment? All of these things, we have to get proficient resisting these things because it determines whether we're going to be in that kingdom or this kingdom. We We have to resist. We have to resist. We have to resist. We have to resist. But our resisting is based on how well we submit. Amen? All right? So you have to refuse the enemy's enticements and seductions, all right? He wants you just to grab the rope. If you'll just grab the rope, he's going to yank as hard as he can, all right? And you have to resist. I'm not going to fall into that temptation. But just sitting in there saying, I'll say no, I'll say no, I'll say no, isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to be submitted to God. Decide, what am I going to say yes to in my life that will oppose that? Amen. All right. <clears throat> the last area that I want to mention tonight is um, the other place that we have to stand resistant to the enemy is in the benefits we have in God. Let's go to Psalms 103. <clears throat> um, verse 1 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases, who redeems our life from destruction and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies our mouth with good things so our youth is renewed like the eagles, who executes righteousness and justice for us when oppressed. These are all benefits of God. Now, understand this. In this, go back to verse 2. It shows us these benefits. All right, now verse 3. The first benefit is he forgives all your iniquities, forgiveness. The next thing is he heals all your diseases, health. The next verse redeems your life from destruction, means he's bought your life out of destruction, all right? And crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The word crown means to literally encircle, he's encircled you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Okay, so we've got forgiveness, we've got health, we've got our life uh, protected from destruction, we've got us encircled with loving kindness and tender mercy. The next thing, he satisfies your mouth with good things, so he's going to give you words to say and that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then the last one is he executes righteousness and justice for you whenever oppressed, all right? And what that literally means is, When someone's bringing a charge against you, I'm going to make what's right and fair on your behalf. All right? So it could be as this. Visualize this with me for a moment. It's as if God has given you six packages here. He's given you a package that's gift-wrapped and says forgiveness. Another package that's gift-wrapped and says health. He wraps up another one and says redemption for your life from destruction. He gives you another one that's the words that you can say. He gives you another one that's the, the uh, loving kindness and tender mercies. He gives you all these packages. And what the enemy does is he wants to get your gifts. He wants to get your packages. And the reason he is fruitful in that is because we forget God's already given them to us and it's not something we have to get from God. We forget health is already given to us. Forgiveness is already given to us. We don't have to get it. It's already given. And the enemy... Okay, this is going to be our gift package. Okay, I'm holding this package of health in my life. And the enemy keeps trying to... And I have to resist him and not let him have it. You can't let him have it. You can't let him take your forgiveness and he encumber you with guilt and condemnation. You can't let him have it. It's already yours. It's already yours. It's already yours. And the enemy is stealing your gift. He's stealing your redemptive right. He's stealing the thing that God guaranteed you have, not because of who you are, because of who he is. And he gave them to you when you came into this kingdom and said, everything's going to be all right now. Here's the gifts. Here's the benefits. And we spend our life striving to get from God instead of saying, no, you don't. You don't take my health. You don't take my life. You don't take my heart. You don't take that thing. We have to stand firmly. What does it mean to resist? To stand and oppose and not yield to it. And what the enemy does is gives you suggestions. Would you believe? Would you believe a tumor? Would you believe this? And then, because we're not guarding our heart, the spirit of fear comes, and we embrace the spirit of fear but the problem with the spirit of fear is it's a hook for the enemy. And from then on, he guards you around from one thing to, of, to thing to be afraid of to the next thing to be afraid of to the next thing to be afraid of to the next thing to be afraid of instead of just standing firmly fixed and say, no, this is a benefit of God, and you can't have it, any part of it. We don't have to fight for what's already given to us we have to resist the enemy from taking it from us we don't have to fight for it we don't have to fight for what god has already given we have to resist the enemy from taking it poverty resist or submit you don't have enough to pay the bill resist or submit see we got to get proficient at that church we got to get proficient at that. My God supplies all my needs. Right? We've got to get proficient at that. We've got to get proficient at knowing what to resist and what to submit to and setting our life on the course of that because it's the keys to restoration of all things. We We can't play with the enemy's tactics and expect to get there. All right? We have to refuse to think the thoughts the devil wants us to think. We have to refuse to speak the words the enemy wants us to speak. We have to refuse to fear the things the enemy wants us to be afraid of. We have to refuse it. We can't wait. We can't wait for somebody else to fix it. We have to start refusing from ourselves. What comes out of a man is what defiles a man. So what we have to do is on the inward man, the man of God that's in us, the woman of God that's in us, has to become fully persuaded and convinced of what's in this kingdom that we're called to live in so that we resist everything else and stay protected and guarded right here. You weren't made for this kingdom of darkness over here body soul and spirit doesn't survive in this proficiently and you can't be moved by what someone is doing for a length of time you have to stay in this kingdom of light and life and you can't spend all your time just um, binding the devil without submitting to God you can't do that you've got to come to a new place and a new level of surrender and submission to God, hallelujah, I am yours to command. I am yours to command. And if you command me, I obey you. And then my health is in your hand. Then my deliverance is in your hand. Then my restoration is in your hand. Just command me what to do. Remember last week we talked about the pitcher who threw the ball, and they moved his finger an eighth of an inch, and it made a difference between bases loaded and strikeouts. Okay? It might be an eighth of an inch. It might just be a fraction of a thought. It might just be, God says, you know, this is where your hang-up is. Because every time you get to this place, this thing bugs you. Or every time you see this person, you want to (laughs) hide. Offense, resist or submit. Offense, resist or submit. Unforgiveness, resist or submit. See, because we're trying to get that the enemy has no place in our life. No place in our life. And to us, we don't see the connections of those things and the quality of our life. But in the unseen realm, there's connections that we don't know how they connect. We don't know how they connect, but they're connected. So what we have to do is just set ourselves to submit to God because He can reveal that so you know what to resist and what to submit to. All right? Because the enemy, I'm going to say it again, the enemy will never yield to you when you're yielding to him. And a good thing to always know when it talks about resisting and submission, the thing you always resist is anything Jesus has bought and paid for on your behalf needs to be resisted. Anything Jesus has already paid for has to be resisted. Anything Jesus has already paid for has no right to be in your life. It's under the wrong jurisdiction. It doesn't have the right. It doesn't have the right to be in your life. But the enemy, through length of time, causes us to cope rather than to conquer because we wear out, we wear down. We think it's all we deserve. See, he's working on us. He's working on us. He's working on us to get to get the place where our heart is convinced that that's our lot in life, all right? And so we have to be sharp. We have to be on top of it. You know there's going to be people say horrible things about you to your face or behind your back. There's going to be times when the enemy wants to garnish your entire bank account. There's going to be times when your wife is going to say something she didn't really mean and it was cutting and it hurtful. There's going to be times when your husband's going to forget that he was supposed to be home at 6 o'clock for dinner tonight. There's times that all those things are going to happen. But those are the times when you have to decide, what am I going to resist and what am I going to submit to? It's those times in the common everyday occurrences of life, in the usual flow of things, it's in those times. In here, it's real easy to say what will we resist and what we'll submit to. But in the heat of the moment, when the pressure's on, that's when you have to make the firm decision, I will resist, I will not move, I will not be shaken, I will not be altered from what the will of God is for my life. It's in those moments that it's going to show. It is in those moments that your resistant muscles get strengthened. And your ability to stand becomes greater and stronger. Okay? It's in those everyday moments. It's in those moments when you leave this church and somebody runs a red light and almost cuts you off. It's what are we going to do with those thoughts? It's in the times when our kids forget it's Mother's Day. You, You understand what I'm saying? It's all those things that really aren't that critical for living, but the enemy uses to get in your heart. It's those things that really count for resistance and submission. It's those things that when you compare it to eternity, don't have any weight, but yet they become important in here. Those times when you have to work four 12-hour shifts in a row and they decided you should work the next four days as well and not have any time off. It's in those moments. What do I do? What do I not do? Well, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. The joy of the Lord is my strength to be able to do this because we always want to fight for us. Let's just resist the enemy and let God do the battle on our behalf let God do the battle on our behalf, all right? So it's taking us from being these churchy people that know the right thing in here to being the church of Jesus Christ that lives the right thing out there. Amen. Yes, amen. Because that's the restoration of all things. That's where the restoration of all things is. When the church, under the leadership of, of God causes the enemy to be put in his place that all the world will see and know that the king of kings and the Lord of lords has restored the life that he intended for mankind in the earth amen, amen. be quick to know what to submit to and what to resist amen, amen. hallelujah so resisting is not fighting resisting is imposing Sometimes you have to fight, but you can resist without raising a fist. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. A little kid comes up to dad and starts beating on his legs. He doesn't turn around and go wham. (laughs) He just stands there. He stands there. Stop that and goes on. Resisting, resisting, resisting. But your ability to resist is dependent on your ability to submit to God. Resist the enemy, submit to God. Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Praise the Lord. Now, I want to remind you that next week is our family service, which we do that every year at the fair time where we have, um, it's a testimony night. Um, We have um, some family game things that we do together as a church family. Um, we have um, some video footage of all of our outreaches we've done recently. We're going to show you all our little people and all the things we did at Rodeo Bible Camp and the junior high retreat and the senior high retreat and the vacation Bible school. And the kids from vacation Bible school are going to sing. And, and so we got uh, lots of things going on next week. And then we followed up with ice cream. What? Ice cream always fixes everything, they say. I don't know. Ice cream, resist or submit. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a trick question (laughs) Uh, hallelujah praise the Lord let's all stand to our feet hallelujah father I thank you that you make us sharp and keen what to resist and what to submit to I thank you father for the ability of God coming through us the authority of God coming through us for we are submitted to God And I give you praise and I give you thanksgiving for it, Father. That this is a people designed for restoration. A people made to be whole and healthy, forgiven and free, preserved and kept with the word of the Lord in their mouth. I thank you, Father. We are a people that will influence our community, that we will penetrate the kingdom of darkness, that we'll take back everything the enemy has stolen from our families, our communities, and our nation, Father. We thank you and praise you, Father, that we are the watchmen on the wall waiting for the return of the Lord. And we give you praise and thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah.